Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1494 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And thank you for listening to the podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, YouTube, etc. This is actually part two of two with myself and Zach Milner on the NBA draft. Zach was kind enough to join me for about an hour across two episodes. So if you missed part one, I recommend starting at the beginning of the podcast. But this is part two you're about to listen to. We'll have some news coverage later on this week. We'll have some more on the player capsule series and of course more on the nba drafts we're getting very very close to the draft next thursday but without any further delay it'll be myself and zach milner talking about the nba draft in part two fashion again part one available right now as well but here we go with part two you are locked on hawks your daily atlanta hawks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day I want to shift gears now and ask about someone who's uh, not necessarily a super different prospect, but way off the radar as far as like mainstream college basketball. That's Maxwell Lewis. Pepperdine is an interesting place to play basketball. So I, I will be the first to say I am a little bit unsure about Max Lewis. And that's probably a pretty appropriate thing, I feel like. Um, the competition level, he leveled off a lot after a very hot start to the season. Um, all of it. Like the tools are very evident. Uh, I'll let you talk about them. Um, the performance wasn't always like, I think he had a negative assist turnover ratio uh, in the WCC, not necessarily what you want from a potential first round pick, but obviously the tools are there. And I will note now that he also came to, uh, to the Hawks for a workout and they are, I've heard they like him. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means they're in love with him or they just think he's an interesting guy or whatever, but I think they like him to some level. Um, so I said all that stuff. Are you as confused as I am, or do you have a, a more firm evaluation of Max Lewis? No, I, I feel pretty confident with my evaluation of him. Uh, I think he's, it, once again, though, it just comes down to the same question, a really, really talented offensive player with some very big defensive questions. Um, so we're, we're, we're seeing a trend here. But just to go into his game a little bit, extremely talented offensive player. I think the one thing that stood out to me the most this year, even with the second, like, even with like the drop off the last month or so, however long you want to say it was, is his improvements from last year to this year were just huge. Yeah. Uh, last year, he did show some really impressive flashes, but this year he did a much better job getting to the rim, uh, much better job passing. The, like the turnovers were still a problem, but that just shows where he was last year, pretty much, right? right. The, the seeing improvement was nice to see. I actually think he improved on the defensive end this year compared to where it was last year. It was just so far behind last year. Um, so I really do think the improvements were very, very noticeable. And when I want to say he got a, did a better job of getting to the rim, last year it was all settling for setbacks, never really got that many of easy looks unless it was in transition. The first month and a half of this season i want to say was he did a better job of getting easy looks but it wasn't because he was attacking the basket it was more of getting a smaller guy defending him putting them in the post and scoring over them easily and then when we got to like december january he started to attack from the perimeter much more and get to the rim and i thought that it was just once again just seeing these kind of improvements i always value in players um because that you want you want these guys to continue to improve, right? So just seeing some kind of improvement is always nice. Moving on to his game, though, is on defense, he gets lost off the ball a lot, and that's unfortunate. I think it's a trend with all the players that we're talking about. 
Um, but he does have really nice tools, definitely has better tools than Jet and Bryce. Yeah. I would say out of the three, it's, I think Jet, with his off-ball defensive concerns, was probably the best off-ball defender of these three. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. but... But with Max Lewis, he has he has good tools. He has nice length. He actually can move his feet quickly. I think his problem on the defensive end on ball is more of his technique. And sometimes he um, isn't taking the right angles or he's standing too far up and he's not getting down in his stance, all this kind of stuff. Or he wants to use his hands too often instead of side his feet. So those are things that he can hopefully improve on. I'm more optimistic in him, him proving his on-ball defense than his off-ball defense. But I do know his off-ball defense has improved and he – in practices, he is asking the questions of, okay, what about this rotation, this rotation? So I think he is a willing learner, but sometimes when you are so far behind, it's tough to make up all the ground that you need to make up. Yeah. And uh, one thing I think I might've said on a previous podcast at some point, but in case I didn't, um, you might think, you know, this guy played at Pepperdine. He was a four-star prospect. He wasn't like a typical guy who goes to Pepperdine. He was a top one 25 something like that prospect kind of a winding route there i won't we won't we won't have to go into but uh that's worth noting like he didn't come out of absolute nowhere um in, in, in a way that some guys do like that um but yeah i mean the tools like i think he got uh measured at seven foot wingspan at the combine that's an intriguing tool for someone uh you know in this range especially and like you know he does have the he does have the skill set on offense that could be very interesting if you buy the defense coming around he's pretty skinny um, I don't know mm-hmm. what that's going to look like long term, um, but like you said, you know he's a, he's a decent athlete and all that stuff too. Um, I think that he'd be a very reasonable pick. I, I think 15 is higher than I would want to take him, but if they just fall in love with him, it's not going to blow me away. Is that is that does that track for you? Because it feels like it's a little high, but like also at this point, just get your guy if you want. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think he can play well off of off of Trey and off of DeJounte as well, at least on the offensive end. He is someone who has flashed some on-ball stuff, but with the decision-making still trying to get better, it is still best to play him in an off-ball role. And hopefully he... So the thing is, the last month of the season, his shot, his catch-and-shoot shot wasn't there as well. So like he mm-hmm. was starting to pass up open looks, which was unfortunate. Um, hopefully he gets that confidence back because he was a good catch-and-shoot guy. Um, but if he can do that catch-and-shoot, attack closeouts, and be a good like cutter... As long as he's not going to hold the ball too long when he gets the ball um, on the perimeter, I think he would fit quite well next to DeJounte um, and Trey. I think just talking about the guys you talked about, at least from the defensive or the 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 wing shooters with the defensive concerns, I would yeah. say I would prefer him and Jet over Bryce in terms of who the Hawks should go with because of I, I think a little bit of talent and just I think they're easier fits than Bryce as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, but I'm glad you answered it. I, I would have them Jet max and then bryce in that order mm-hmm. i believe um and you know that's okay i'd be holder nothing nothing crazy they're in a, at least in a similar tier overall but given what given where the hawks are and given what i think about those guys um that makes some sense to me Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you really enjoy the DFS space like I do, make sure you check out the awarding app at Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as well. With Prize Picks, it's very easy to use. I've been playing there for a, really a couple of years now, and it's really a breeze to operate. All you have to do is pick two to six players to actually choose whether they have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds, assists, or any other stats across the board. We have 25 times the money on your entries, and they have sports across the board, really beyond the NBA and WNBA, college basketball. They have they have sports like MLB, NHL, PGA. NFL, college football, soccer, esports, and much more. And a whole entry in just a minute or less. It's that easy and it's that quick. Plus, it's just you against the numbers. They have safe and fast withdrawals at Prospects as well. 
They're operating in more than 30 states, including Georgia plus Canada. Download the app right now with PrizePix or PrizePix.com. Sign up by DFS right now. If you're a first-time user, get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. Don't forget that promo code. It is Locked On at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at PrizePix. While I have you, uh, I want to take advantage of your expertise and go a little bit deeper into the second round because the Hawks have um, 46th pick, and you know that could be that could change. The second round is a wild, wild west, as everybody probably should know by now. Last year, the Hawks had a pick; they traded down. They still made a pick. It was Tyrese Martin, but they, you know, sometimes they sell picks, sometimes they trade down or trade up, and uh, you can never assume that a team's going to stay put in the second round. But also, you throw in the addition of the third two-way slot. Um, there's going to be a lot of movement, even undrafted guys, et cetera. And I'm really intrigued by, by a second round because I feel like it's a pretty good group in general. Um, you know, the, the Nuggets just made that trade with the Thunder that like they actively seem to want to get back into this class in that range. Maybe some of that's probably luxury tax based, but still like it's a pretty intriguing group. Do you, do you agree? Like I feel like like my top like 50, maybe even more than that, like our NBA caliber, like I have them graded as NBA caliber players. Um, how far does that go for you? How's that second, how's it sort of stack up for you before we get into some guys? Yeah, I don't have an exact number, but what I'll say is it's interesting because I don't think the, the overall depth of the class is that great, but I do think there are intriguing players. Yeah. Um, but the, also one thing to remember is so many guys went back to school. And I think we're going to see this yeah. um, for the upcoming years, especially with next year where people weren't uh, that enthused with next class. So they're trying to just improve their stock. But once we saw so many guys go back, I was like, it might make sense for some people to stay in the class at this point because people need to get picked. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting. But I think another part of that was NIL. So you have a chance to improve your stock while also getting paid in college. Still, that helps people to go back to school. For um, sure. And I think that will make it easier on evaluators as well in the long run, even though um, it might be annoying whether you like a guy and they don't come out, but getting more data, um, seeing where they make their improvements and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't, I don't have a number to answer like how, how many players in this class, but I, but I do think that there are, uh, while I don't like the depth as much as I have in other years, I, I still yeah. think there are definitely some players where I'll like, and, and more of it is because, the draft isn't going to go how I want it to be, right? So some of the Never. guys that will be there at 46, I could think that they have some first-round potential. So that's why it's tough to talk about the depth, right? Where there could be an undrafted guy who I like a lot. doesn't mean the depth is good. It just means I view the class differently than the, the teams. Oh, yeah. And I, I am reminded of this every year. It feels like every year the draft gets to the mid-40s or whatever. And I, I always have guys in my 30s that are available, you know, guys in my late 20s that are available. And like, it's out of the beholder. It is what it is. And you, you'll like certain guys. And uh, I'm very confident when the Hawks come on the board at 46, if they, if they make that pick, that they will be someone there that I like um, mm-hmm. more more than that draft slot. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. I, I don't know who that player is going to be yet, uh, who's going to still be there. But um, it's interesting. We talked about it earlier, like kind of the philosophy of what the Hawks are looking for. You have to adjust it a little bit for second rounders. You can't just look for everything. Um, if there were perfect guys, they wouldn't still be there. Um but I, you know, I, you know, I was going to ask you about this. Like, any, does anyone strike you as interesting for the Hawks in this range? Again, acknowledging that they might be gone by the time the Hawks pick, but um, who's on your sort of radar as far as like, interesting prospects here? Yeah, so I have six names. I'll just put out there, and whoever you want to talk about, we can. Um, I think we'll look at both perspectives with some guys who can provide more on the offensive end next to Trey, and some people who can buy more stuff on the defensive end. Um, but the six names that I'll bring up are Seth Lundy, Julian Strother, Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark. Jordan Miller and Serge Barry Rice. I think any of those six at 46 would be a solid pick. One thing to say with Jalen Clark is he's suffered an injury at the end of this yeah. past year. So I 
the timeline with that might be up in the air and his stock has probably taken a hit. But I think the reason that he stayed in this class is he would have probably came back to play in what January or February maybe. And he wouldn't have had that much time to really play a lot uh, in college another season anyway. So just leaving made the most sense is what I've taken away from it. But yeah, those are six guys that, that, that stand out to me uh, for the Hawks pick. Yeah. I mean, I, I can maybe try to group these guys together or not, but you know, I Strother is certainly in the shooting category. I think Seth Lundy would be as well. Does that make yes. sense? Uh, you know, Strother, I, I asked, um, I, I think we have a mutual friend, Jackson Frank. I, I've talked to Jackson about Strother a lot. He's, he's, he's a Gonzaga guy. So, um, and he's always like, uh, basically this synopsis on Julian Strother is he's a very good offensive player. End of end of comment because defensively he can't really do much of anything. But hey, sound familiar? Yeah, <laughs> we just so talked about. I'm, I'm sure. I'm I, I, that's kind of why I said it. I want to see what you say. But yeah, no, I I did some traveling during the tournament, and this is I don't want to let that color it, but I saw Gonzaga play I think three times in person over a short period of time, and I've always liked Strother. I, I think that again, it's important to realize what you're getting in the second round. I think his shooting and his offense in the second round, the defense is bad, but like his size and shooting. That's an NBA player. I feel I feel like he's an NBA player. I, I could be crazy, but uh, does that make sense for Strother? And then also how you compare him and Lundy are different players, but sort of the same, you know, primary appeal of that shooting. Yes, I would agree. I, I like Strother a lot last year. Uh, I will actually say, I think I was, this year was a little underwhelming for him. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of context to take into account. They didn't have as good of guard player this year. They had Andrew Nemhard last year, so he wasn't able to get as good of looks, and that was probably a reason that his volume didn't go up as much as he would want it to from a really good shooter, even though he shot really well this year still. Um, it would have been nice to see more volume. I think that was part of it. I th Another thing with that, I thought he had first-round potential heading in, like, heading into this year. I would have drafted him last year. Uh, I wanted him to show more of his perimeter game this year. And I think they tried that early on in the season. It didn't work that well. So they went away from it and they put him back in the, the staggers and the pin downs and the off ball stuff. And he, he's really good with that kind of stuff. But I, yeah. I think the, the on ball perimeter game stuff was, was not great. Uh, doesn't mean he can't be a good NBA player. It just, he's going to be limited and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, really, really good shooter off ball player. Most of the Gonzaga players are, have a good feel of nowhere to be on the offense and spacing. Uh, but yeah, defensive end. Once again, questions. I actually think his defense <laughs> might have looked worse this year than it did last year. It, and that's it's really not good. It was really yeah, and, and that's <laughs> the concerning part with him is I I don't know if it looked worse just because they didn't have Chet behind him this year. Um, but he doesn't have great screen navigation. He gambles a lot when he doesn't need to gamble, and those are two things that uh, I think really stood out this year. So once again, defensive questions. I don't want to talk about all these guys like that, but it just it's, it, it's how it this matters. class is. Yeah, it's it, how it this is. class is. Um, yep. But yeah, having him as a shooter, I actually think he might have the best floater in college basketball. Oh, wow. Really, really good floater. Um, I, I put out a tweet the other day where him and, and Colby Jones was the next guy um, where they the top two like floaters in college basketball from like a field goal percentage, a points per possession percentage um, in terms of like high volume floaters. So they've got to be, got up a decent amount and they're really good there uh, so he's able to do that when he when he curls screens gets into the paint goes to the floater very nice attack close out get to the floater really nice um and yeah he has nba range so that's really good so the difference between him and lundy is i think lundy has a little bit more drive game more perimeter game um, a little bit quicker gets lower on his handle and can get to the basket by himself a little bit better also the difference between them as shooters is strother has a longer history of being a good shooter compared to Lundy. I yep. think Strother is more of a threat as a spot up guy, but I do think Lundy showed more shot versatility this year in terms of 
off the dribble, more off movement stuff as well. I think Strother's off movement stuff was there this year, but it was more like backpedaling into shots where he's coming off a screen, the guy jumps in and he flares out or fades out. Um, with Lundy, he would curl screens and turn as he catches the ball and go straight up. And like that's like what we see with a lot of movement shooters. He showed that a lot more than Strother did this year. Not to say Strother can't do it, just isn't going to show it as often. So I think that's the difference in those two as players. Uh, Lundy still has defensive questions as well. I think I prefer him on defense. So it, it, it's yeah. it's an interesting question to where you're drafting this player to be a shooter. Do you want to take the better shooter? Which I, while well, I still think Lundy showed uh, more off movement stuff, I think Strother is a better shooter. So do you want to take the better shooter or do you want to take the guy who's still a really good shooter but does a little bit more? Um, on offense and a little bit of a better defender. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I lean Lundley defensively too. And again, it's maybe one of those guys is gone. You can do whatever you want there, but uh, it, those guys are interesting comparisons. And I thought um, pre combine that Strother was not bigger than he is, but um, I thought maybe Lundy was smaller than he is. And he's not like, I think he's listed at six, six, something like that. So he's got decent size. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's only just two of the potential shooting bets, but if they, especially if they were to go a different route in the first round, um, so getting, getting a shooting bet in there in the second round would be pretty interesting. Uh, Amari Bailey is you know, kind of a weird evaluation in that he, he's very famous, which is interesting. He was kind of off the radar at UCLA this year. And then he got better and better and better and played well down the stretch and he was on the team with all these veteran guys. You know, Jaime Hockey is the guy I love, um, always have. But Tiger Campbell was like a great college basketball player, and he was ahead of him. All this, I'm giving the huge preamble, but um, Amari Bailey is an interesting player like that I feel like is not being discussed a ton. I'm sure he is in draft circles, but like more mainstream because he used to be, you know, five-star talk about all the guy, and now he's like kind of – he was caught off the bench and all that stuff. So what do you, what do you make of him in the second round? Because, you, you know, he stuck in the draft, didn't have to, but I guess UCLA is going to be loaded next year too. Might as well, might as well go now. <laughs> yeah. So one more thing I want to bring up with Lundy and Strother is yeah. you, brought up the, you brought up the height, and it does it is noteworthy that Strother does have a couple inches on Lundy still, and that is definitely noteworthy as well. Um, but moving on to Amari, yeah. So I've been able to watch him a lot throughout early high school because I'm in LA. So I, yeah. I actually – didn't even mention when we talked about Pepperdine, but I was at like five or six Pepperdine games this year. I saw Max Lewis in person last year as well. I've been to practices, but yeah, so I've been seeing Amari Bailey in person since his sophomore year when he's at Sierra Canyon. He was playing with Brandon Boston, Zaire Williams, and, yeah. and Bronny was a freshman at the time. <laughs> and then saw him for there at Sierra Canyon for three years, then UCLA. Um, I was actually really, really high on him in high school. Thought that he, what he was doing with, uh, Brandon Boston and Zaire Williams, when they were seniors, when he was a sophomore, was really, really impressive just because he was a really good athlete and had a really good frame for his age. So he was actually the one who had the ball a lot in his hands. Um, but as he got to the college level, he wasn't able to win with the athleticism and strength as often. And then I also think UCLA under Cronin, they don't like to run as often. And that he's yeah. really good in transition. Hawkins is really good in transition. Bona is really good in transition. Jalen Karsh is really good in transition. But they don't like to run that often. I don't know why. Uh, I think it would have been a lot better for them if they got out and run. But to be fair, if a player's best skill is transition, that's not that intriguing of a player probably. Um, mm -hmm. So like from an evaluation perspective, it doesn't hurt too much. It just would have been nice to see him out and transition more often. Um, anyways, moving on, he struggled a little bit early in the year. One thing to note with him is he actually did deal with a couple of lower body injuries. Um, and I think that was evident. But he really started to play well consistently when Jalen Clark got hurt. Uh, end of the season, yep. I think, was Amari Bailey. From Jalen Clark getting hurt throughout all of March uh, was his best stretch of the season by far. I think you saw better 
passing from him from early in the year to late in the year. I think you saw at least him getting more comfortable with his shot. The three-point shot is still a question, um, but he has looked like he is more comfortable with it. He can get to his mid-range spots, pretty good off-ball mover. But I think that the sell for him is being some defensive kind of guard who has a good frame, who can move his feet and all that kind of stuff. Um, and if he's able to, like we said with Kaysen, buy into the physicality, get up and players' handles, move his feet, I think he could really be a disruptive uh, perimeter defender at the guard position, and that's interesting. Um, but yeah, it comes down to will he be able to shoot playing off the ball, um, or if he's on the ball more often, is he going to be able to improve his half-court finishing? I think he did a pretty decent job of getting to the rim, but there were some finishes that he wasn't able to convert that you'd like to see him convert on. Yeah, I mean, that look, that, that player that you just described seems like a pretty intriguing fit in the middle of the second round. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, he'd be somewhere above where the Hawks are picking on my board. Um, and also, I think a uniquely intriguing fit for the Hawks because of what you said, like his on ball defense and his defense in general in the backcourt would be very useful. Like, I'm, I'm not sure you want to pair him with Case and Wallace as your two draft picks because they kind of, right. No, I would just go but, with one of those probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, yeah. yeah, just throwing just throw that. But if they were to go with one of those shooters we talked about earlier, even mm-hmm. you know, Jet, Jet Howard or whatever kind of backing that up with Amari Bailey. Cause look, I, I like you, you, you sort of teed it up there. I think a lot of people thought Amari Bailey might be a first round pick or maybe a top 20 pick coming into the year and him falling this far, potentially um, it might be a good mile up to, cause he, he's, he's still very young. I mean, he was, a, he's, he's a one and done guy. And yeah, I, there's a long conversation to be had about UCLA. Like Mick Cronin is a very good college basketball coach, but what you, I, I hadn't thought about that, you know, the way that they don't really, they hadn't really used their, but, you know, I guess maybe like guys like Hawkes fit kind of more like what Cronin is actually doing. I don't know. Um, long story short, you're, you're there and I'm not, but I think that he's, he's a very intriguing player too. Uh, I, uh, I've been intrigued by like the, the, the I'm, I'm not saying it's a split on him, but um, he didn't really ever get that like big helium bump that I thought might happen. I thought down the stretch, he might, he might be talked about like a more like a first round sleeper kind of guy and in March with, with the way he was playing it, it never really happened. It seems like. Yeah, I think we're seeing it a little more, but still not as much as as you'd expect. But yeah, if he played how he played the last seven games or so throughout the whole year, I'd say he'd be going first round. And who knows? I still think there's a chance he goes first round. But like you brought it up, don't go with him and Case. And I think it's interesting, right? If you go with one of the shooters, then you can go with Amari maybe if he's available. Or if you go with Kaysen, then you can maybe look at Lundy or Strother if they're available and and, and switch it up. Uh, Because yeah, the other players are going to have more flaws in the second round than the first round, but they can still do a little bit of this. They have the same sell as some of the guys that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Um, I'm going to get you out of here, but I, uh, I do want to ask about Jordan Miller who actually was in Atlanta, I believe like a week ago to work out with the workout with the Hawks. Uh, I know uh, I think he got a kind of a weird, hilarious bump when Mark Schindler brought him up on a podcast with Sam Vecini and got yelled out about it. It was very funny. Um, Shouts to Mark. But uh what do you what do you make of Jordan Miller? Because you know Miami made a good run in the play in the uh, in the playoffs in the tournament, <laughs> and uh, and but like he he was not their main guy. He, he's a support. He had one game where he, he kind of was their main guy, but he he's a very interesting supporting piece who was like way off my radar. Like I had seen him play in college, but like was not a prospect in, that I was looking at very much. And then he kind of just became one, and I was like, okay, this could be a very interesting role player down the line. Yeah. So he wasn't their main guy, but I think he was their best player this year, honestly. Hmm. Um, sure, uh, Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack did do a lot of the scoring. He was actually up there in scoring, but what, what he can do also is I think he's a really good connector wing, um, really smart off-ball defender, pretty decent, pretty solid on-ball defender as well. 
the question with him, he's obviously he he's on the older side. I think he's older than anyone we've talked about. Yeah, uh, 50, he, he, he was a fifth, he was yeah. a fifth year senior, so I believe he's yeah. already twenty three ish. Definitely on the older side. The question with him is how good will the shot be? He is sort of in between the good shooters um, with bad defense and also the bad shooters who can't like the good defenders who can't do anything on offense. Pretty much. He's sort of in the middle of he's a, he's a good defender um, who can do other things on offense, the questionable shot, but he has some flashes as a shooter. So he's someone where I like it. I think if the shot comes around, he probably is going to return first round value, honestly. Uh, and, and it was nice to see that the shot look pretty solid this year. Um, it definitely was improved. Let me get the numbers for you right now. This year, he shot 35% from three, um, two and a half attempts per game. So not the most volume, but comparing that to where he was last year at 29% on 1.8 uh, attempts per game was an improvement. Shot 78% from the free throw line. I think if, if the team is able to get him in for workouts and they feel comfortable with a shot or they feel comfortable with their shooting coach working on it or where it might be in a year or two, uh, I really like him as a player because he's a quick decision maker really good connector on the wing, like I said, but he can do stuff on defense and on offense. And I think that's one of the things that you can look for. And you're not going to find that very often in the second round. Um, sure. He might not be an NBA player. The shot doesn't come around and he's on the older side, but you have to, to look at these kind of players in the second round and you have to take a chance on them. And he's someone that I don't think should be available that late. Uh, I would take him earlier than this, but it does seem like he will be available um, from just from the recognition that he's gotten. There hasn't been that much talk about him. Yeah, I'm sure the people listening will be laughing, and that sounds like a player that I would love, uh, and I, I do like I do like him quite a bit. Uh, as uh, and look, yeah, I think the shooting is a very obvious swing skill. If he doesn't shoot, it's not going to work. I don't think. Um, but it, you know, it's a second round pick. It's a pick in the 40s or 50s, like where, where he's probably going to go. So that is uh, totally fine at that point, and I, I do buy it otherwise because it's a very well round. I think the, the work connector is a good a good way to describe him from what I've seen too. Um, I took up a lot of your time. Uh, I appreciate all the time you've given me talking about NBA prospects. Uh, if you want to add anything, please feel free. And if not, I'd like you to plug anything you got going on because I know you're uh, you're a busy man. This is this is like your Super Bowl in a lot of ways. So uh, the draft is here. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. Uh, I just say follow me on Twitter, Zach Milner thirteen. Um, I'll be doing a lot of content, a lot of tweeting uh, throughout the draft, and just put posting more videos and clips on players throughout. I am in the middle of working or I'm almost done with my NBA range shooting database that where I take all the, um, I go through the synergy data uh, for shot distances and filter out the shots that are fewer than NBA range and, and put that together. I did it last year. I'll have that out um, hopefully end of this week or next week, but it will be out before the draft. So that's something that I keep an eye out for as well. Um, I did a, did that last year as well with some findings that I took from it. So just keep an eye out for that. But, but yeah, that's it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking about all these guys. I do appreciate it. Uh, we could do three hours very easily. I'm <laughs> I was trying to get you in and out in a reasonable time frame, but uh, I certainly would recommend following all of Zach's work on the draft and all things basketball. I do appreciate it, man. Thanks for doing this. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Tell a friend about the show, and we'll see you all next time.